mountain maker, ocean tamer, glimpses of you burning my eyes, the worship of heaven fills up the skies, you made it all, said let there be.
Good morning. Last Sunday of 2020. <laughs> we do want to welcome you here this morning. Glad you're here. And if you're not here, hopefully you're at home. Welcome. Um, I do have a quick announcement this morning. So instead of a New Year's resolution, I made a Christmas resolution that today I was going to start going to the gym. I've never been to a gym on Sunday, and I was the only one there, me and another guy. And I went to the gym this morning, which is a big deal. Really? It is. It's a big deal. And then at, I came out of the gym at 7.05, and I had a text message from Lori Prophet. And she says, Todd, my daughter Kylie has COVID. We just found out last night at midnight. Will you lead worship? And I'm like, I am feeling good. Let's do this. So uh, I especially this morning want to thank Ian. Ian does all the media, all the words. And we were panicked today. And, uh, you know, it's going to look all normal, but Ian, um, he, we had to wake the boy up, and he came in all chipper, and he has got everything going literally in the last 15 minutes, and um, it's good to be together. We're going to look back a little this year on 2020. You take some deep breaths. take a minute as we begin today to get our, our mind and our heart and our will in the right place this morning. Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me at home? Father, we come today and we are opening ourselves up again. We open our hands and our money and our hearts and our family and our community. We open ourselves to you. We do not know what tomorrow brings. And we admit it. And maybe this year of any other year, in a lot of ways in our world, we do not know what tomorrow holds. So we let go of all of it again. And we're reminded today to fix our eyes on Jesus, the starter and finisher and in-betweener of our faith. Jesus, we look to you as our leader and as our guide and as our truth that we're founded in you. thankful that we can come together and worship. Bless the Lord of oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. I sing like never before, and oh my soul, worship your holy name. 
Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. As he has been, he will forever be. Thou changest not. He changes not. As he has been, he will forever be. Doesn't he seem like he changes? I think I'm the one changing. I think I'm the one moving. I think I'm the one interpreting my circumstances differently. He changes not. As he has been, he will forever be. Psalm 23. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He, God, renews my strength. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. He guides me along right paths. Really? Do you believe that? He guides me along paths that bring honor to His name. And even when I walk through darkness, the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. For He is close. Do you see Him? Do you reach out to Him? Do you need Him? As we look back on 2020, for some of you, it, it, it might have been the best year you've had in a long time. For some of you, it's been awfulness. Corporately, it's been crazy different. And I think when things change so dramatically, it reveals what's in here. It reveals something about us as a church, as a family, as individuals, as a business, as a country. He is revealing. I want you this morning to remember that there is hope. That we're held. I've been held by the Savior. I felt fire from above. 
never failed me in all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head 
and I will sing of the goodness of God. We start there. I have a little problem when I sing this song. Sorry to interrupt. The goodness of God. Let me just remind you this is not the goodness of Todd. It's not the goodness of Americans. It's not the goodness of Republicans or Democrats. It's not the goodness of wealth. It's not the goodness of health. The goodness of God is something outside of our little human interpretations. Do you hear me? Because the truth is, He doesn't feel good a lot of the time. This is a deeper, farther, truer, stronger goodness. It's a goodness that your Heavenly Father is giving you that you don't always understand. Right, little kids? We don't always understand. Back to the beginning. I love you, Lord. Sing. Oh, your mercy never fails. Never fails. And all my days I've been held in your that I wake up until I lay my head and I will see of the goodness of God. Sing now. Sing. Oh, 
reminded even of the events this morning and Todd and Pete were sharing that as we pray and come to God today that that maybe before we ask God to fill us that we need to ask him to empty us if you empty me first of everything God that it's nothing to do with you so that I can truly be filled with everything that is about you and so today I just want to just have that planted in your hearts your minds as we begin and let's just ask the Lord Lord we're asking you we're, we're begging you we're pleading with you right now God to just speak to us in a way that was so fresh Lord we thank you for the music we, we get to sing your praises and God we we already sense your spirit working in our hearts and and we are thankful God that we can express that in our simple way through our voices but Lord right now if 2020 hasn't done it already, Lord, we, we ask, God, that you would just empty us of all that we are, empty us of everything that we have, uh, have, that we have built up ourselves to be, and we ask, God, that you will fill us with your goodness. Fill us, God, with the power of your Spirit. Fill us, Lord, with the ability, God, through your Spirit to be and act and work as your hands and feet. Thank you, God. Today, we just humble ourselves before you. And Lord, in the midst of all that's going on, all of the rush and maybe chaos of the holidays and, and the unexpected things as well, God, we give you praise and we ask you, Lord, just to, to slow our hearts. And now that we've been emptied and we sense you filling us, God. We ask that your word would become so real and so 
ah, just so tangible to us this morning. May we hear you in a way that we weren't expecting today. And I pray, God, that as we leave this place today, that we will know that we've been touched by your hand, Lord. We thank you, God, for all these things. We thank you for who you are, and we thank you for the blessedness and the great present of Christmas. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. You may be seated. Todd said things were a little bit different this this morning, and uh, we got our, and great job, Ian, exactly what uh, Todd said, he's got our uh, PowerPoint going, and I, I just wanted to say that today is, I was preparing for this week, for this, this morning's service, and I was, it was interesting that God just took us in a different direction this morning than we were planning, because he definitely took me in a different direction than I was planning this morning in our text. I, 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 well, before I forget, actually, um, the kids need to be dismissed. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and not only that, but I want to say thank you to all of you who helped throughout this Christmas season. I mean, the, 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 the decorations, the things that have been done around our building, we're thankful for that. Also, over this week on Christmas, we had uh, the Salvation Army come and we had the dinner. Thank you to every individual, every person who helped. Uh, we just say thank you for that. Over 200, from what I understand, were served. What a great, great thing uh, that happened here that day. I, I, I want to say that regardless of what part you are this morning, and we've felt this even this morning as a worship team and back here with the media, but regardless of if you in the body of Jesus Christ are the hand or the foot or the elbow or maybe the big toe, <laughs> thank you for all that you do in the midst of Woodland Life Center. I was looking this week and came across an individual that I've read about every time particularly this time of year, but I don't, I've never preached on this passage of Scripture before from Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. And, and uh, you can go ahead and turn there if you want to. We'll have the words up on the screen when we get there. But, but, uh, but I came across, once again, a woman by the name of Anna. And I thought, man, what, what a beautiful, beautiful story. Just two verses... And in those verses, 36, actually three verses, 36, 37, and 38, we, we get this portrait of, of grace and of beauty and of, of a way to see Christmas, maybe in a way that we haven't even thought of before. But, but I, I see her and I, and I look at the beauty of her witness. And I'm reminded of what it means to be able to age gracefully. I, I don't know about any of you this, this Christmas, but I don't know if you were able to see any of your family or any of your friends. I know that some were just kind of hunkered down at home. Nobody came, nobody left. Uh, but many of you probably got to see maybe your grandkids 
for Christmas this year, or maybe some of you got to see your grandparents this year. Yes, some of you are raising your hand. That's a good thing, and we're thankful for that. I know, again, that some of us were not because of COVID and all that's happening, but it's a blessing, and I, I love fun, full-of-life, creative grandparents. I see them all the time. I have pastored many great, amazing, beautiful, uh, fun-filled, Christ-like grandparents that I remember a guy by the name of Milt who I had where I pastored in Castle Rock. He at Church of the Nazarene there. He was one of the wonderful men and saints of that church, 80 years old, and he was playing soccer with the kids. And I'm not kidding you. And then on top of all of that, I remember we had a Christmas pageant, and it was a different style, and all the kids were rapping, you know, Christmas. And I thought, oh, man, you know, Milt, I don't know how he's going to like this. He got up on stage, took one of the kids' caps, turned it sideways, and started rapping with them during the Christmas service. And he he told me later on, he said, I can't stand that music, he said, but here's the thing. I love seeing the kids up there worshiping Jesus and praising his name. I didn't care what kind of music it was they were doing it to. Oh, that's the type of grandfather, grandmother I just love to see within the church they've decided you know what it's not about me it's not about my once it's about seeing new generations I want to see my grandkids and other people's kids come to know Jesus Christ I love fun full of life creative grandparents you probably have never experienced this but some older saints can kind of erode with age and to to these kind of curse smudgeny, you know, type of people that want to just point out everything that they, it's not quite the way that they want it to be. I'm sure none of you have ever had that happen. And I do truly thank God that here at our church, and pretty much all my years as a pastor, that the grumpy saints have been more of the exception than the rule. My experience with so many of you here is that time has made you a little more gentler, more gracious, humbler, more loving. That's not always the case, though. Some some can become cynical. Some can look down their nose at you, and and they can become tough as nails. I heard a story to illustrate this, and in the midst of a service, it said that a lightning bolt hit in the middle of that church service, When the smoke had cleared, the pastor was unconscious. He was on the stage, and Satan himself was standing behind the podium. People panicked, ran out of the building, and Satan stood there with glee. And his mood, though, suddenly changed when he saw this older lady that was sitting near the front with her arms crossed, kind of just giving him the eye. And he said, lady, do you know who I am? And she said, I sure do. He said, aren't you afraid of me? She said, no, I'm not. He said, why not? She said, why should I be? For 50 years, I've been married to your brother. (laughs) You know people like her. (laughs) Some people just have a knack for finding the one rotten apple in the whole orchard and complaining about it. But not the person who is the focus of our sermon today. Luke writes these words about her, and Ian, if you could help me, thank you. It says there was also a prophet Her name is Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. It says she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And and then 
was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying and coming up to them. At that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. To give you a little bit of background, what, is it, what it's speaking of here is that Simeon, who had been looking for the Messiah all these years, he saw the Messiah, he witnessed the Messiah was right there, and here he was with the child. And here came Anna. She had been there all of her life at the temple. After her, she was widowed for 84 years, she, at 84 years of age, she found herself finally seeing the King of Kings and the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the Redeemer of Jerusalem. I, I think about this, and I did uh, quite a study and, and commentaries and so forth, where others who uh, just kind of had given their time to understanding a little bit more about her, because we don't see her anywhere else. We just see the short section of her life, this little snapshot, this little portrait of who she is. But, but here's a lady who would probably have been like the temple grandma, you know, she was, she was certainly loved by the people who visited the temple. Uh, you didn't avoid her. You sought her out. And, and God used her to speak his word to people in the temple. She was singularly focused. A woman of grace, as a matter of fact, her name comes from and is derived from the name Hannah, which means grace. I mean, I... It doesn't say that she had any kids at all, but you just kind of get this sense about her. Here's this woman who had waited gracefully, who had, who had just stayed there at the temple, who had loved on people. She was known as a woman of grace. You already like her, don't you? Her family had a difficult history. What we understand from Scripture is that they were from the tribe of Asher, and here, by the way, interestingly enough, Asher in Hebrew means happy. And so she comes from a tribe that, that means happy. Her name means grace, and it's this great background of who she is. But since she was from the tribe of Asher, we know that her relatives were taken captive by the feared and the very brutal Assyrians. But many of them returned from that time of torture, and they followed the one true God. They came back. She was married and then widowed for many years. There's a little bit of a debate if that meant that a portion of Scripture is to be translated that she had been widowed for 84 years or if she was 84 years old. It doesn't matter. It's a great adventure and missing the point. <laughs> the point was, all of her life, since she lost her husband, she had been looking for the King of Kings, loving people at the temple she most likely lived in one of the apartments attached to that temple and probably ate from the food given to priests. But she wasn't lazy. She wasn't idle. She was not looking to retire. She served all the time. She was day and night fasting. She was praying and sharing God's word to those who came in worship. Anna was obviously all in. She wasn't a consumer-styled follower. She was a consumed by God follower. One commentator said the words that described her are joy, hope, encouragement, faith, service, worship, 
devoutness. And Luke reveals that she understood more about the full redeeming significance of, coming, of the coming of Christ than maybe any of the others who appear in the nativity narratives. And you might ask, well, why is this important today? Why is it important for us to understand, uh, understand Anna and, and understand the importance of her knowing and re realizing that Jesus was not only the Messiah, but he was the one who came to redeem Jerusalem and the whole world. The reason why it was so important and why it's important today is because if there is a time that needs to be redeemed, if there's a time that seems like, man, we just have been kind of been thrown and tossed to and fro, where the earth is just kind of pushed into this wasteland, if there was a time that we needed to see the redemption of God, it's today. Billy Graham used to say very, very uh, often in his revivals that we need an understanding of the importance of redemption. He shared it was because it's so few, in his words, so few church-going Christians, and, excuse me, people, uh, understand what it means to be a genuine Christian. They think of a Christian as something you do instead of something only God can do for you, he said. Billy Graham put it this way many times, walking into a church doesn't make you any more a Christian than walking into a garage makes you a car. This transformation only comes from, from the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. God gave Anna spiritual eyes to understand this, to see this. She was looking for the Messiah. As soon as she saw where Mary and Joseph were and there where Simeon was standing, she ran, she immediately went to them. She knew what was happening. Anna saw Jesus when most others could not. That's my first point this morning. Anna saw Jesus when most others could not see him. This passage offers a whole and full perspective of life and contentment. Here's a woman that's near the end of her life, still serving God, still revealing that contentment is not a matter of age. Contentment is not a matter of energy level. It's not about what you've accumulated over your life. It's not about a position that you attained during your life. She reveals that it is defined by an openness to humbly serve God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, with all of your life, and to share him with others without a need for anyone to ever know. Isn't it amazing that we never hear of her before, we don't hear of her after. Here just Luke just you know, brings her in and makes you wonder, what was Luke thinking when he, when he brought Anna, this, this prophet there, when he was talking about her, what, what, was, his, what was his need in, in sharing? I think he was trying to remind us, and this is just my opinion, but I think he was trying to remind us that the body of Christ is best when it's made up of people who humbly serve, who love no matter what, who give all they are regardless of whether they are given three verses in the Bible or none at all. You know what I mean. this passage and her perspective, it calls for a serious reflection. 
Do others see Jesus in me without me having to proclaim, hey, look at Jesus in me. Hey, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus and what he's doing through me. How am I, how am I doing? And uh, Not Anna. She just gave of her life. We didn't even know she was there. And all of a sudden, boom, she just comes up and pops up on the page. And as quick as she pops up, she's gone. Charlie Brown said it this way, the great theologian Charlie Brown. <laughs> he said, just thinking, if a blind person hears me, could they tell I was a Christian? If a deaf person sees me, could they see Christ living through me? <laughs> Anna had spiritual eyes. She had never seen Jesus, but when she knew, when she saw him, she knew him. Year after year, she longed to see the coming Messiah. She longed to see the coming Redeemer of the world. And, and it reminds me, it makes me think to myself, what am I looking for? I mean, in the midst of even a crazy year like 2020, what am I looking for? And sometimes you might uh, say, and this was the sermon that I had written previously to this one, but the title was Hindsight is 2020. <laughs> and the idea is this, is that when you look back over this past year, what were you looking for? When you look back over your life, what have you been looking for? What has been your primary goal? Hindsight's 2020. God has given every one of us a dream. God gave Anna a dream. And... She was seeking him more than anything else in her life. We live in a world where people see what they want to see. I, I am probably one of the worst when it comes to keeping up with social media. I have a Facebook page, but I'm almost rarely, if ever, on it. Uh, any of those type of things, I'm just, I just have uh, too many other things that I need to do besides doing that. But regardless, I, I know that there's a group of people that they see what they want to see. There's a group that on social media that I was told about, I read about, uh, or excuse me, heard in the news about, they're flat earthers. And if anyone here believes the earth is flat still, um, just brace yourself. It's not. <laughs> but here's the thing, is, is you're looking at, at, the, you know, at this, this page and, and, and all of these things that are going on about the flat, well, they see what they want to see. I believe the earth is flat. Okay, you go right ahead. I remember when I was a kid, environmental science class, my teacher believed with 100% assurance there was, and there still is, a Bigfoot. He's looking for it. He would go on vacations. He would go on expeditions. He would find it. He told us when we were, after we graduated, he said, when we find Bigfoot, he said, I'm going to be calling you back. Will you come back with me? And we can tell them all, we told you so. And we're like, uh-huh. Yeah, we just want a good grade. Just get us out of there, you know. And, 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 and then, you know, of course, there's Elvis Presley is still alive. We all know that. And we see what we want to see. Elvis was right there during the whole graveyard, graveside service. I, I saw him in the, in the, sitting there right there in the, in the window. We live in a world where people see what they want to see. My grandmother taught me how to see Jesus when others could not. She was kind of an Anna in my life. She taught me how to see Jesus when others couldn't. 
we had quite a group of characters in my family, in my extended family as I was growing up. I'm sure your families are perfect, but we had you know, issues with drugs and alcohol and abuse and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, and you may understand. But as a kid growing up in a Christian home, I was trying to sort all this out with my grandmom. She, she taught me about something that I just didn't really understand up until that moment when I was about 14 or 15. She taught me about this word called grace. I would say things at that age, and I just was like, I can't believe, Grandma, how bad these people, I can't believe that they would do this. I can't believe that they would say this, but this is our family. And, and she would then say to me, well, Matt, what about you? <laughs> what faults may there be in your life? Matt, did you ask them their story? Did you ever get to know them? Did you just take a walk with them? kind of in their shoes even? Do you have any idea what this person has been through? Have you cared enough to get to know them or do you just sit back and critique, Matt? It's, it's a big thing for you to be able to criticize, but have you ever heard about this thing called grace? She reminded me that any ordinary human being can sit back and, and point out the flaws in others, but my grandma helped me to see others with Jesus' eyes, and she reminded me that nothing is impossible with Jesus, and she helped me see myself through Jesus' eyes as well by revealing how much grace I stand in the need of. My grandma saw Jesus when most, uh, most others could not. She also saw arrogance even in me. She saw arrogance when so many others claimed, oh, it's not arrogance. I'm just on a higher plane. I'm just on a higher level of service and, and faithfulness. And you can read about the older brother in the story of the prodigal to better understand that attitude. But maybe most importantly, my grandma showed me how people who don't think they need much grace are also the ones who don't give much grace. I'm thankful for my grandma who taught me how to see Jesus at work and people in places I would never have expected and how to not take myself so seriously that I can't see my need for God's grace every day. I'm thankful for Anna here in our scripture today who shows us that when we seek him with a consume me God I'm giving everything of my life I'm going to give my whole life to you I'm going to give all of my walk all of my energy all of my time I want you to consume me God when we follow God with that consume me mindset instead of a consumer mindset she reminds us and her story reminds us we will find Jesus She brought to life the words that we find in Jeremiah from the prophet there. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The second point today is Anna proclaimed Jesus when others just pushed agendas. If you knew anything about the day that she lived in, actually Anna's day was much like ours. It was a day ruled by agendas. 
we have agendas with, you know, hey, we, we want you to do this, or we want you to do that. We want you to be of this political persuasion. We want you to believe that this is happening behind the scenes. We want you to be a part of this group. Please give money to this effort. It, there's a day ruled by agendas just like our day is today. The Pharisees were looking for a political leader during the time that Jesus came and where Anna saw him. They were looking for a political leader who would save them from the tyranny of Rome. They thought he would show up as an earthly king, and as a result, they missed Jesus. The zealots were looking for a military leader that would destroy Rome, and they thought he would show himself with military power and great might, and as a result, they missed Jesus. The Essenes were looking for a monk who would completely separate from the world of everyday men. They thought Jesus would have agreed with their existing belief system, and so they missed Jesus. The Sadducees were so consumed with material possessions and the pleasures of life now that they became indifferent to a Redeemer altogether, and they too missed Jesus. Yet what's so encouraging is this. Anna tells us there were still some who were looking for the Redeemer. There were still some in that day who were looking for Jesus. There were those in the Old Testament like Abraham and Jacob and David and Isaiah who looked forward to the coming of Christ. And there were those during the time of Christ like John the Baptist and Zechariah and Mary and Simeon and Anna herself who sought their Redeemer. They were seeking with all their hearts. And there are millions of believers today who look only to Christ. And I believe here at our church We are amongst those ones who are looking for Christ and only to him as our rock and our foundation. But there are a lot of people, even today, who are just pushing personal agendas. There was a story of a pastor, a young pastor, who started out at the church and and, and as he was there at that church, he, he, he ran into a situation where there was a gathering and, and he witnessed with a few others uh, a person who just did something to a child that should have never happened. It was abuse and it was, it was ugly and it was awful and the person left and the pastor and the people who were there with him, they were left with this decision, what do we do? And this pastor was like, I'm a mandatory reporter. He had a lawyer in his church, and so he called up the lawyer, and he said to her, you know, what do I, you know, I want to make sure that I'm following the right direction as a mandatory reporter. Well, this is what you need to do. This is what has to happen. And sure enough, he he called, and and things just kind of seemed to fall apart. He'd only been at the church a couple years And so he couldn't say anything to people. People were asking, you know, what's going on? What's going on? And, well, this is a confidential matter. And uh, I don't understand that. That means I can't tell you anything (laughs) about this, you know. (sighs) But you know how it is. And and in his case, people were talking. And and the people who were reported on, they had a, a large group of family there at the church. And... They kind of split on this issue. And as they split on the issue, then the ones that had left, one of them was on staff, and and 
just kind of took the box of goods and just threw it in the pastor's lap and said, I'm done, and I can't believe you would have done this, and I know that you were a mandatory reporter. I know what you're supposed to do, but I can't believe you did this anyway. As they left, their personal agenda was to just make sure that nobody, nobody thought badly of them. So they just spread these thoughts about the pastor. And he couldn't do anything. In the midst of it all, to his mind, the words from Exodus 14, 14 came, and it says there in Exodus 14, 14, you need only be still. But the first part of that verse was, your God will fight for you. Your God will fight for you. You need only to be still. And so he held on to that. And, and in the midst of it all, there were things being spread. And, you know, when people don't know the whole story and the pastor couldn't share everything that was happening, it was confidential, then things, you know, people make up things. You know, they make assumptions. Well, I always knew that that pastor wasn't that great. There's something wrong. I don't, what is he thinking when, is he trying to get rid of people? We're trying to grow the church. What's, what's going on here? And things were shared that were not even close to the truth. The great-grandmother of the child who had been abused, she continued to come to the church. She heard all the things that were said. She didn't say anything in return. She just kind of kept quiet. But finally, things are hitting a fever pitch, and it was not looking good, and the pastor was like, it's going to be a long, long tenure here. And, uh, and as things were being said, and gossip was being shared, and assumptions were being thrown out in the midst of a Sunday school class, this great-grandmother stood up in the middle of the class, and she said, I want you to know something this is my family that you guys have been talking about. This is the situation within my family that has been going on for years and years. And she said, I want you to know that, I want you to know that I'm so thankful for our pastor who stood up. We realize, and she said, I realize, and I've known this has been going on for way too long, and no one in our family would stand up and do the right thing. I'm thankful that the pastor finally stood up and did the right thing. Can you imagine, after that Sunday school class, how it, the pastor felt as people began to come to him and say, I'm so sorry for the things I said. I'm so sorry for putting you in that position. I'm so sorry for not trusting you when you said this is an issue of confidence. I, 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 we're with you. Can you imagine how he loved <laughs> the beauty of that great-grandmother who stood up and did the right thing and was Jesus in the midst of this crowd? Well, I can because I was that pastor. And that great-grandmother was my hero that day. <laughs> I mean, she, 
She changed the world for me. I didn't know. Oh my goodness, you Jackie and I were just like, here we go. You know, this is, I can't say anything. I can't do anything. People are making their assumptions. People are saying all these things about me and I have to just sit there and just take it. I had arrows in my back and God kept saying to me, Matt, I'm going to fight for you. You need only to be still. And his word became real. But here's the thing, folks, we have to be looking we have to be seeking. And in the midst of that time, I'm going to tell you, I just was praying. I was fasting. I, I couldn't eat if I wanted to. I felt, and I just, it just, it hurt. I hurt over the, the, the destruction. But folks, in the midst of it all, when you sometimes feel like Anna, who had been looking for decades and decades and decades, and, and, and nothing seems to change and nothing seems to happen, but God has given you a promise in your heart. I want you to know you need to stand firm because our God is mighty to save. Just as he was 2,000 years ago in Jesus, he continues to save today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. So we come to this place and you may say well what does this have to do with me well just as Todd was sharing this morning I mean we don't I don't know exactly how your 2020 is gone I can tell you this is the weirdest start that I've ever had to starting as a pastor of the church I mean, it's not because of you you're great it's just things I mean it's just I don't I'm getting to know people's eyes better than ever before I saw someone in the in the grocery store the other day and I was like hey I know you I just knew their eyes you know and and I was at, you know at the bank and I you know I just I was like you know and it was uh, it, uh, I, don't, I thought I saw it well anyway uh, but it was Cheryl and, and so she I said to her I, I, I think I know you. do you go to our church yeah I go to the church I'm Corey's wife you know oh I yeah I remember that now so you know and, and so I, I'm, it's just strange. And it's nobody's fault, but we can get irritated with each other, can't we? We can kind of get irritable and just like, ah, oh, I don't want to do, I don't like this, and I don't, oh. But here's the thing, what are we looking for in the midst of the crazy? What are we looking for in the midst of the agendas? What are we looking for in the midst of the chaos? I want to tell you something. It's most important. And you may think, what a simple, basic pastor. Amen. Here's the thing. We need to be looking for Jesus. We've got to look for Jesus in the midst of it all. I, at the end of it all, in the end of the last amen is said. None of the agendas or your little quirks, or your little ticks, or your little concerns, or your little critiques are going to matter. All that's going to matter is your relationship with Jesus. And I would be an awful pastor if I did not make sure that that continually stayed up front and clear that Jesus is our center. No matter what. But we come up against hard times. We come up against tough days. And I'm going to tell you that every one of you, just like Anna, and I guarantee you there were times in her life over all those years and all of those decades where she was tempted not to age so gracefully. <laughs> where she was thinking, I don't, I'm kind of upset, Lord. When is this going to happen? You gave me a promise. Just let me see him. I want to come home, but let me see him first. And I want you to know that every one of you has 
a plan and a promise and a purpose in Jesus Christ. Some of you have shared your purposes and your plans and your calling on your life with me. I know Jack, I hope you don't mind me sharing, but Jack, he's called to be a pastor. He's come to me. He and I have met. We're going to be giving him a local pastor's license soon. It's going to be beautiful, but it's already beautiful and amazing. But I want to tell you, Jack, they hear that calling on your life. There's going to be times in your life and there's going to be places and situations where you're going to be like, where are you, God, in the midst of this? And I want to remind you, find your center in Jesus. He's the one who gets you through. When no one else, when everyone else laughed at Anna and said, oh, come on, Anna, why don't you just find another husband, get on with life? No, she had a dream and a calling. And God's given you one as well. Hang on to it. Or you may say, well, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a realtor, or I'm just a teacher, or I'm just a nurse, or, no, you're not just a nurse. You're not just a realtor. You're not just a business owner. You're, you are in a missional outpost that God has given you to share his and proclaim his glory. It's your spot in life to share Christ. And I'm one of those that's crazy enough to believe that, that God is in every detail. Anna, uh, she, she got to the end of her life. And can you imagine? She, she saw Jesus. That very thing that she's been seeking and waiting for. And just as my grandmother taught me to see Jesus in people, I want you to tell you now that, that we here at Woodland Life Center, this Church of the Nazarene, that we, church, huh, we can see Jesus here too. When I see people come to know the Lord Savior and the first time, I see Jesus when I see people who are broken and who are empty and who are hurting and who even would say, I don't believe in your God. I don't believe in anything that you're saying about that. I still see, I see Jesus in their eyes. When I see someone who's saying, you know what? You don't know about me. You don't understand why I've chosen this situation or I've chosen this life or I've chosen this path. I was born this way. I was born like this. I see Jesus. I'll find Oh, you were born that way too. Me too. I was born into sin also. Amen. Who cares? My Jesus is bigger than my problem or yours. Do you see Jesus? Well, Anna reminds us he is worth a lifetime of waiting for. On his deathbed, a man by the name of Matthew Henry whose commentary probably many, many, many people, maybe some of you, but many people in the world still use after almost 300 years after his death. But, but he said to his friend on his deathbed, and his family was there, and generally, you know, at your, your last days, it's, it's your family and maybe a couple close friends, but he had this close friend, and he said, you've, you've been used to taking notice of the sayings of dying men. He knew his friend well. He said, well, my friend, he said, this is mine. My dying saying is that a life spent in the service of God and in communion with him is the most pleasant life that anyone can live 
in this world. And with those words, he died. Anna would agree, a life devoted to God is a life well spent. A life devoted to anything else, no matter how noble, is a life ultimately wasted. Whatever you do for a living, whatever you do and whatever you find yourself having, your hobbies or whatever else, make sure that love for Jesus Christ is at the heart of why you are living. Then whether you live a short life or a long life on this earth, you can have the assurance that you have spent it well. Because I believe the one who came and died for us is worth my dying for him. There's a, there's a song that I'm going to close with today. I'd like to ask you just to sing along with me. I'll come up here. The name of the song is Give Me Jesus. Man, if I could just sum up maybe my, my motto, so to speak, it would be this. Just give me Jesus. In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise Give me Jesus Give me Jesus Give me Jesus, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And when I am alone, when I am alone, and when I this world. 
guys. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, what many call the end of a holiday season, Lord, we understand it's really just the beginning that you always and always, you must be not the focus at just this time of year, but our focus all year long. I pray, God, today that you will give us just the strength and the focus, the insight and the wisdom and the grace that we see that you've given Anna. I pray, God, that our lives will truly reveal you. Regardless of where we find ourselves, I pray, Lord, that we will lose ourselves in the plans and the purposes that you have for us, God. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your grace. We thank you, God, that even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of a year like 2020, that, Lord, your hand is still mighty to save. And so, Lord, our trust is in you. We say these things and we place our focus, our trust, our strength, our energy in you because we love you, Lord. And we don't just say these things lightly or just flippantly, God. We are saying these things in Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. Amen. It's been good to be together in God's house. Amen. It's been great having you today. And I wish you a great Sunday afternoon. May God continue to bless you keep you, look over you. May his face continue to shine brightly upon you. You are dismissed in his love. Yo. Oh.